declaring war on the Catholic Church worldwide. Another priest is murdered, making him the ninth to be assassinated in Mexico in just four years. Meanwhile, many Catholic churches in Europe being burned by arsonists, while others are repurposed as restaurants, climbing walls, and even satanic temples. What's the Vatican doing about this? Why, celebrating human fraternity, of course. Plus, the politicization of sex scandals involving Latin mass priests. What are traditional Catholics really saying about their priests that fall from grace? And is there a cover-up? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Michael Matt. This is The Remnant Underground. No matter where you are watching us tonight, thank you for being here, whether it's remnanttv.com, Rumble, YouTube, Spotify, whatever it is. Thanks for being here. Welcome. And don't forget to like and share this video because especially those YouTube folks, they're not doing us any favors these days, you know, so got to do it ourselves as always, which is fine, kind of exactly where we want it. Now, before we get started tonight, I want to thank our sponsor this week, which is Our Lady of Victory Homeschool. I'm sure many of you have heard of Our Lady of Victory. They're fantastic. You know, my wife and I have been homeschooling our kids for 20 years. I really think and believe firmly that it saved my family. They're all practicing traditional Catholics. But you can't do it alone. Nobody can. You need advisors. You need curricula consultants, you need support groups, you need education experts to get you through it. And Our Lady of Victory Homeschool has it all and has for years and years and years. I've visited their campus. I've spoken at their commencement ceremonies over the years. I know their founders and directors personally. These people are top-notch, top-notch ed educators, fully pro-life, fully pro-family, traditional Latin mass Catholics. Fantastic. But at as I say, since 1977, so they kind of have some experience. Please give them a call today if you're thinking about homeschooling. Uh, they're at 208-733-7265. We'll put that on the screen. Or visit them online at olvs.org. And let's save our kids under the banner of Our Lady of Victory Homeschool. Now, one of the things that we've gotten past over the past few years, I think, uh, is this idea that what's happening in the church or what's happening in the country is happening by accident. I think we've all moved past. You've really, really got to be hiding your own Easter eggs if you think this is happening by accident, accident because of incompetence. If you think, for example, that Joe Biden is just really, really terrible at what he does. No, 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 no. That's not it, as we've been saying ever since before he got in. Uh, they put him in to destroy this country. That's the point, to demonstrate, to put on full display that this country does not need a president, right? That's what they're doing. Well, it's the same in the Catholic Church. I don't think it's a secret to anyone in this audience that the Catholic Church under Pope Francis is being systematically dismantled and that it's on purpose. This is a, cr a crucial point because it's not so much raising awareness any anymore that things are going wrong. Everybody knows things are disastrously going wrong. The point is to raise awareness, I believe, and that's the purpose of this show, to raise awareness that it's being done on purpose. And I think we, we can prove that for those of you who might still be skeptical, those two or three of you who might still be somewhat skeptical about that. So take, for example, last week's show, last week's Run and Underground, where we covered the Vatican's world meeting on human fraternity. Okay. <laughs> they, they, they had gay dancers entertaining the children of the hug, as you'll recall. This week, 
Francis comes out and releases the Synod on Synodality's Instrumentum Laboris, which, as remnant columnist Robert Morrison rightly observes or points out at remnantnewspaper.com, further advances the Freemasonic dream of annihilating the papacy through the rise of local churches, right? Annihilating the papacy, that's what we're watching. From the moment Francis came in, he was putting the world on notice that he was going to take the papacy down, right down to how he dresses, where he lives, what he drives, right? We didn't need that institution of the grand and glorious papacy, right? That's what he's doing. And, and, and this is happening now, while everything is going wrong worldwide, everything is blowing up worldwide, abortion, gay marriage, destruction, everything going wrong, the Vatican, again, systematically sits back and says, what we need to do is cancel the Latin mass movement. That's the fastest growing movement of young Catholics in the church today. Nobody would do that unless they were trying to prevent restoration of the Catholic church, right? unless they're trying to actually dismantle it. That's what's happening. All while everything is going to hell everywhere we look. Down in Owensboro, Kentucky, for example, the River Park Center hosted Pride Night just last week, where this drag queen, this pile of human dung, impersonated the Blessed Mother of God on stage, looking like this with the Immaculate Heart of Mary singing some obscene song that I will not show you the clip of for obvious reasons. It's happening here, friends. This has nothing to do with tolerance. What they're doing, as we saw with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence or whatever the hell they call themselves, they're actually poking sticks in our eyes. They're actually beating Christians again, whipping them, smacking them, slapping them across the face, us across the face, right? And they're saying, you're going to accept this. This has nothing to do with tolerating them, right? It never was about that. It's the beginnings of persecution. We will take your most sacred images and icons and ideas and personages, and we will mock them, we will spit on them, and you're going to take it, and if you don't, you're a hater. If you don't, you're going to have to be rounded up eventually. You pose a threat, because we do whatever we want. And where's the Catholic Church in all of this? <laughs> Listening. The synod on synodality. <laughs> Friends, we're positively begging now for divine chastisement. And Pope Francis, again, has gay guys prancing around the Vatican, babbling about Freemasonic ideas such as human fraternity. So, fraternity, brothers, sisters, of the, under the same God. Yes, they are brought together under one sky. They're fiddling while not only Rome burns, but the entire church burns, aren't they? They're not sincerely trying to fix anything. And they have plenty of real problems, like the spike of persecution against Christians worldwide, spiking 80% worldwide. Catholic priests being murdered all over the place, right? You hardly ever hear about it, but <laughs> it's happening all the time. Father Javier Villafana, he's a parish priest of Santa Ana Maya, Mexico, he's just the latest to be murdered, be shot while he's out on the road, right? But the, what you probably don't know is that Father is the ninth Mexican priest to be assassinated in the past four years. Nine priests assassinated in four years. 
And we're not just losing our priests like that, being shot, murdered in the streets, right? People being persecuted. Our physical presence is disappearing from cities, from the landscapes of cities, have you noticed? Our churches are burning to the ground. I just got back from France. There is a just an epidemic of anti-Christian sentiment in France. There are, there, there are churches, schools, Catholic buildings and institutions being burned, being defaced, vandalized all over the place. Nobody's even covering it anymore. And then, of course, there's the high-profile ones that everybody heard about, but we still don't understand. Notre Dame in Paris nearly, nearly burned to the ground. But why did it burn down in the first place? <laughs> Why is, why is no one asking those questions anymore? Has it just become so commonplace? The official story, by the way, is that, well, it was probably sparks from a cigarette that burned Notre Dame down. A cigarette? Really? This is the most iconic building in France. Cameras everywhere. And there's some Yahoo up there smoking cigarettes and burning it to the burning it down? Really? But we don't have any video of that, right? We just speculate. Probably a cigarette. What is this, 1951? <laughs> okay, fine. It was a cigarette. So what about Saint-Sulpice? This is the, the second largest church in Paris. This is where the Sharp Pilgrimage began just a few weeks ago. It's a big deal, big church. A few years ago, it was looking like this. So what's this? More, more sparks from a cigarette? From a careless smoker? How about the Cathedral in Nantes? Oh, look at that. That one's burning too. Huh. You know, these French guys, they got to stop with the smoking. And just a couple of months ago, the Church of the Sacred Heart in Bordeaux, we had a Latin Mass there once years ago. Beautiful church. Well, it was set on fire, some garbage fire outside. Firemen had to come and put out the church there too. And then it was defaced with these unbelievably satanic, you know, like thanking Lord Lucifer for the church burning type of graffiti. So this is what's happening, friends, in the real world, while Francis is listening and dancing around with gay people in the Vatican. This is the real world. The church is literally going up in flames, you know? But it's not just arsonists, and it's certainly not just jihadists. You see, they're busy, as I say. This is, un this is intentional. They're canceling the church on purpose. They're shutting her down, friends, on purpose. Let's check out this particularly bizarre headline. And there's this paragraph from the same article. Quote, in the continent that nurtured Christianity for more than two millennia, churches, convents, and chapels stand empty and increasingly derelict as faith and church attendance shriveled over the past half century. And the, and the great and powerful bishop there in Antwerp, Bishop Johann Bonny, he tells the AP, well, yeah, this is painful. I, I'm not going to hide it. He says, on the other hand, there's no return to the past that's possible at this point. And of course not, Excellency. We can't go back to the past. Not when your Catholic churches are being permanently transformed into shops for vendors, you'll see up on the screen, or restaurants, or apartments with really, really cool stained glass windows up in the lofts. <laughs> cafes, even climbing walls. Put another one up there. There, 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 there the guy is, climbing inside the great cathedrals of Europe. 
<laughs> well, look at this. this. This is Bishop Bonnie himself in one of his many empty churches. Maybe he should climb one of the walls because there's nothing else to do in there. The place is empty as he refuses to go back to Catholic tradition, of course. And while Bishop Bonnie is refusing to go back to the past, the rest of us are actually going back to the future, and it's working out pretty well. Here, for example, is my little parish a couple of Sundays ago. Now, I shot this myself. It's Corpus Christi. I don't know. Maybe Bishop Bonnie has seen pictures or he remembers hearing about that feast. I don't know. But you see all the young people, all the families, right? And that's just one of the four masses, traditional Latin masses, that take place in my parish here in St. Paul. <laughs> but, but there's no going back, right? Bishop Bonnie, you genius. No. <laughs> just watch her burn, baby, because there's no going back. And in France, well, it's pretty much the same story. In some places, it's even more overtly satanic what's happening to the churches. Somebody recently sent me this video of what one tourist discovered in a French church when she whipped out her cell phone to start filming as she enters the church. And here's what, here's what she sees. First, you see the facade there, Our Lady, the angels, of course. And as she's talking, speaking in Spanish, but she says, and, well, I'm going inside, and see, now it's a gallery. It's a gallery where they kept some of the art, some religious ornaments preserved as well, some paintings. But see how the center of the church looks like, and the ceiling, see how it looks now. Actually, they've deleted everything. They didn't restore it. They changed the paintings. They proudly changed the paintings. They have a video here where they show El Diablo, the devil, a video game they're featuring. And they used a church substituting the art in it for the promotion of a video game named El Diablo. I don't know how to tell you how I feel. The paintings are horrible. You can't see clearly how it looks because it's dark here, but well, this is what's going on in France. Now again, it's, it's stunning to me that there are people who are still in denial. They're still waiting to unpack the bags of Vatican II, while paintings and frescoes of Our Lady and the angels and saints and Our Lord have been replaced in French churches with paintings of the devil. <laughs> what, what's it going to take to convince you guys? Big microphone, guys. What's it going to take? He's just going to keep going, right? The devil has literally taken over the church since Vatican II. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. And of course, it's not just the buildings. So tonight, we're going <laughs> to rush in where angels fear to tread, and we're going to talk about clerical sexual abuse. Well, don't worry, I don't get into graphic details on this show ever, so you don't have to hide the kids or cover their ears. But we are going to talk about this in, 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 in general terms because we do have a problem, right? On the one hand, you've got these critics out there, right? These neo-Catholic disgruntled people, they really seem to hate traditionalists. <laughs> They're so angry, so, so upset about the fact that we don't care as much as they do about abuse, <clears throat> right? They're just ranting and raving and raging now against traditional Catholics. So you got those people. And then they get positively ecstatic 
when a traditional Catholic priest falls and they begin making all these crazy accusations against us, like we're covering up, you know, for our little buddies who say the Latin Mass and all that. You got that going on on the one hand. And then on the other hand, you got good people who, in the face of these scandals involving priests here and there, uh, they, they become so scandalized by it that they just want to just like kind of get in the fetal position or, you know, leave the church. And it's really freaking out. And I think, I hope, as somebody who's been in the traditional Catholic movement all my life, that maybe I can provide a little service to that. We don't have to be at that point, at this point. It's not either or, one or the other. The truth, and I think the much more healthy position, it seems to me, is right in the middle. The, the church is made up of a divine element and a human element. The church is in the world. The devil right now is attacking the church. The church is super weak. You have lots of scandals. Hell itself has been trying to destroy the priesthood since the beginning, right? Since Judas betrayed Christ. There's no surprise here. It's not like it hasn't been happening. People say, well, traditional Catholics say it never happened before Vatican II. I got three words for you. Saint Peter Damien. The 11th century. He was warning about this kind of corruption in the church. What do you think we are? <laughs> we think everything before Vatican II was fantastic? Then why is our hero, St. Pius X, why is he our hero when in 1907 he was warning about the modernist infiltration of the Catholic Church? In 1907! It's like 60 years before Vatican II. See, so they're making this up, these critics. They're making, that's what I talked about last time, and it's a big issue. They create this ridiculous straw man of traditionalism or an effigy of traditionalism, and then they beat the living daylights out of it. Again, they get very indignant. They're very upset. <laughs> but the problem is, it's a straw man. It isn't actually true. It doesn't reflect reality. So let's talk about this. This problem with bad priests, with priests who go bad, who become homosexuals, who hurt children, who sexually assault children, who are predators, this goes back and this is a church-wide problem. People say, well, Michael Matt, does, he defends the Society of St. Pius X against this, 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 this charge because he's Pius X. Again, I don't know, how many traditional Latin masses have I been to in an SSPX chapel? Three in my whole life? Maybe three? I'm not SSPX, right? We're not covering for anything here. Trying to get to the truth, of course. But the point is, the Society of St. Pius X is in the church. So the Society of St. Pius X is going to have this problem too. And they do. How they handle it? Well, that's something we can discuss. Can they do a better job? I think so. But they have a much better track record than the Novus Ordo, that's for sure. But again, that's not the problem. There's no covering, covering this up. There's no denying the fact that the devil has been trying to destroy the priesthood for centuries. <laughs> but you know what? There absolutely is something that we can do about it. And at the end of the show, I'm going to share that with you, okay? Because I'm not worried about this at all for me personally, for my kids, not at all. And I'm going to explain why I'm not worried in a moment. So let's get into this. The latest News on this, of course, is Father James Jackson of the Fraternity of St. Peter, a man I met 25 years ago, right? He pled guilty to the to possession of, uh, on one count, federal count though, possession of pornography. Okay, pled guilty. And the critics of the traditional Catholic movement have been having an absolute field day, you see, because they're using this case to make a larger case against tradition in general. 
So they accuse traditionalists of holding the ridiculous, and I do mean ridiculous, position that Latin mass priests can never be guilty of abuse. Now, again, I've known Father Jackson for 25 years. When I heard that, that he'd been charged, it just it was like a punch to the chest. Like, gosh, no. You know, and I know a lot of his parishioners felt the same way. They didn't want to believe this, but that's not the same as saying that, it, that they were saying it could never, ever, ever be true, right? So we need to talk about this because there's a difference between saying, oh, no, not Father Jackson, and saying that could never be true. He says the Latin mass, you see, it's actually not happening, but there are brokenhearted people who don't want it to be true. Yeah, that's true. So is it true that there are really traditional Catholics who are saying, if a priest is saying the Latin Mass, he can't possibly fall from grace? Where does this come from? Where does this come from? Does anyone in this audience actually think that after everything we've been through, would you ever in a million years say that it's impossible for a Latin Mass offering priest to fall? <laughs> no serious traditional Catholic would say this. So I would say to our critics, rather than broad brushing the entire movement with this sort of criticism, just because of the antics of a couple of guys on YouTube who've been traditionalists for like 20 minutes, and maybe they're saying this sort of thing, maybe the critics should come to us, you know, the oldest traditional Catholic newspaper in the world. We represent traditionalism pretty effectively. We've been doing it for 60 years. <laughs> oldest traditional Catholic newspaper, right? Journalists commentators, public opinion people. That's us, right? We might know something about what really is going on. Nobody has been in the traditional Catholic media longer than we have. And yet nobody's interested in consulting us about none of these critics. They're not interested in consulting us about Father Jackson or anything else. They just find some little guy on the internet who's been, like I say, who's been a trad for 20 minutes and they crown him king of the movement. And then they say, see, he says that nobody no priest who says a Latin mass could ever fall. Well, who's this guy? Why don't you ask me? You know? Because what they're accusing traditionalists of is patently ridiculous. And I wonder, have these investigative journalists, have they forgotten about the Society of St. John, for example? Ouch. How did you overlook that one? <laughs> a bunch of weirdo Latin mass priests who suffered from Michael Jackson's sleeping sickness with the kids. How'd you miss that one? It went on for years. And guess what? They offered the Latin Mass exclusively. It's a long time ago too, you know? Like what, 15, 18 years ago? So where does it come from? The traditionalists think that if you offer the Latin Mass, you're never gonna fall. It's almost like people are making that up because it bears no resemblance to the reality at all. A little closer to home, 25 years ago, one of my own sisters and brother-in-law were married by an Institute of Christ the King, sovereign priest, a priest of the Institute, who actually came to me on the night of the rehearsal dinner and said, Michael, you're going to hear some really terrible things about me because, well, I'm just so traditional. And I, and I, I, I don't like the new mass and they hate me for that. And they're going to they're gonna start lying about me. A little while later, Father was in jail exactly where he belonged. <laughs> and the Institute of Christ the King acted immediately, prudently, you know, cooperated with law enforcement, got this guy laicized because he was guilty of abusing kids. 
And guess what? He said the Latin mass exclusively, and this was a huge story. Uh, you investigative journalists, did you miss this one too? Just a couple of years ago at the Remnant, you can look this up online if you want, we did a story on a priest of the Society of St. Pius X who impregnated a young woman and who's reportedly still running around loose as a priest somewhere, right? And we covered this story in a lot of detail. <laughs> and it was a huge, it was a huge deal, right? Because something was wrong here. And I've, I've said from the start, there's a medieval approach to handling abusive priests. I get it. I think the Society of St. Pius X sometimes engages in that. We'll stick them in a monastery. It doesn't work anymore. You can't do that anymore, right? And I've been supportive of the society for a long time, but I, I'm the first to tell them you can't, you, you got to come clean with every single allegation. You can't cover up anything. I asked one of their lawyers one time, I said, let's say I'm on vacation with a good, you know, we're on a pilgrimage with a good priest friend. Somebody comes and says, your chaplain accused, abused my kid, right? What do I do? I asked the lawyer. And the lawyer said, you call the cops immediately now because the only way to protect father is to turn this situation over to the authorities and let him get acquitted if he's innocent. That's where we are. So yeah, I think every, every order, fraternity, society, institute, every order needs to immediately cooperate with law enforcement. Don't cover anything up. Don't try to use the old monastery system because it doesn't work anymore, you know? So we covered this case with the SSPX, not because we wanted to you know, go after the society, but because we'll go after anything that's got facts that we can that we can verify that we know we're talking about something that actually happened to make sure that nobody else will be victimized victimized by a dirtbag like this guy and because in that case we actually had the facts we still do we have the letters signed letters verifying that this happened and we have the evidence as we do in these two latest now horrific cases that recently hit the news right Brother Pierre de Millard of the Society of St. Pius X was sentenced on June 2nd to 20 years in prison for the rape and sexual assault of 16 boys and 11 girls. He issued a public apology, friends, to his victims. So there's no question of his guilt. There's no, we have no conscience qualms ever saying, like, this happened, man, this happened. Why did this happen? How did this happen? Right? We did the same thing. We covered the story without hesitation, not because we enjoy scandal mongering. But the scandal, the scandal was already out there, and the evidence was public, and we are not an investigative journal. We don't have PIs running around sort of sifting through other people's dirt, you see? So we can only go by what we know. And quite frankly, <laughs> I don't care if you offer the Latin Mass, Father. If you're diddling kids, you need to go to jail. And if you don't repent, you need to go to hell. That's the way it works. That's the reality. So now the next case, Father James Jackson, again, a guy I've known for a long time, or met 25 years ago. During St. Peter, he pled guilty to the possession of pornography. He pled guilty. People are saying, well, he's not guilty. Uh, the CIA got him. Really? Well, we know about that, but Father himself said he was guilty now. I don't want to believe that he's guilty, but he said he was guilty. I've got to take his word for it. I don't care what the extenuating circumstances. Well, he prevented scandal. Well, it would have been a much longer sentence. I don't care. You're a Catholic priest. I think he did the right thing when he said, I'm guilty. Because maybe now there can be some closure and some healing and some repentance and moving on and people will be forewarned. They're going to know the truth. And that's why we covered the story because we had facts, not speculation. 
and not anti-traditionalist, rabid ideology. And it's certainly not my job to presume guilt or to declare guilt until an accused priest is proven innocent. That's not the way it works. And that foments scandal. I'm not interested in that. And neither would, would I or anybody else here at the Remnant declare Father's innocence just because people say Father was a holy priest. <sighs> that may have worked. No, no, I don't think that ever worked. Not in my lifetime. Because, you see, that means nothing to me. I've known predator priests, as I just explained. And you know what? Some of them were not hypocrites. They truly meant what they were saying about God and the rosary and pro-life and pro-family and the Latin mass and everything else. That's why people believe them, because they were being sincere. They truly wanted to be good and holy priests. That's what I mean by not being hypocritical. They, didn't, they, they weren't saying something they didn't believe. They were saying something they absolutely believed, but they couldn't live up to it. Hypocrisy is saying something you don't actually believe, right? Well, these guys had demons that got the best of them in the end, you see? So their holiness or their pro-lifeism or whatever, that doesn't matter to me. It doesn't mean that they're, that they're somehow innocent as charged. So my advice to everybody watching this show, don't ever say that your priest is too holy to fall because that doesn't help anybody. You know what it does do? It empowers his demon because now father gets it in his head. Well, everybody's gonna back me up no matter what. They're never gonna think I would do such a thing. So you don't wanna go to your priest, oh father, we know you would never do that. That doesn't help him, it doesn't help your community. The devil is really active right now. Oh, it could never happen to Father so-and-so. He's too, he's too holy. Yes, it could. He's pro-life, is he? Really? Oh, so he's innocent? Okay. But what about Father Thomas Eitenauer? Remember him? He was an exorcist. He was the head of the largest pro-life organization in the world, Human Life International. By all accounts, he was a holy Novus Ordo priest. He wasn't a hypocrite. But his demon got him in the end. The devil is at work everywhere. So yeah, is this depressing? Well, of course it is. As I say, the devil's been trying to destroy the priesthood forever. The heavenly security of ours said to the devil, you're trying to destroy the priesthood. You're just trying to destroy the church. What arrogance. We've been we priests have been trying to destroy it for 2,000 years. We failed. What makes you think you can destroy it? There have been problems like this, friends, in the church forever, from the start, since Judas planted the kiss on the face of our Lord. And when a priest falls, this is where he gets so nasty that we don't care if a Novus Ordo priest falls. We only protect and hide the priest that says the Latin Mass. That's a horrible thing to say. When any priest falls, Chosen by the order of, of, of Melchizedek to be a priest forever. He's sacred forever. When he falls, the entire mystical body of Christ bleeds. And that's why I'm bringing this up. Because there is something we, as lay people, can do about it. There's something we can do to protect our kids and to protect our priests in the future. And we need to do it right now. No priest, no priest is ever going to pray on my children. I can say that with absolute confidence. <laughs> and do you know why? 
because I am their father. And it's my job to make sure no priest, no coach, no teacher, nobody has access to my kids ever. You see? No camping trips with Father Bob. No overnight altar boy camps. No face-to-face -face confessions. <laughs> because that's insane. Mother Church used to divide priests from penitent. Remember in the old confessionals, there was a wall between the priest and the young kid or the young lady confessing sins. You couldn't even see the priest. The priest couldn't see you. And then somebody comes in, some genius, and says, let's kick out the wall and let's put father and the little boy in the box together where no one can see them. You see what I mean when I say this is intentional? They're, they're, they're dismantling the church. They brought this on themselves on purpose. They're not going to have access to my children. No priest. I don't care if it's diocesan, fraternity, society of St. Pius X. It's not going to happen. Ever. Because I won't let it happen. And neither should you. <laughs> we have got to take care of our own children now. Because Satan is at work everywhere today. Yes, even in Latin mass communities. Duh. <laughs> And anyone who says otherwise, that Satan is not at work, we're in the Latin Mass community, you simply have not been around long enough to know what you're talking about. So I'll conclude with this, friends. I mean, this is, it should be self-evident by now. And the good priests know that it's self-evident. So what are we going to do? We're going to take care of our own. We're going to open our eyes. We're going to demand transparency, right? We're going to pray for the victims of all of this, including pornography, you know, child pornography and everything else. We're gonna pray for the families, the victims of the fam families of the victims. We're gonna pray for the priests. And we are never, ever going to say, it couldn't happen to our priest. And as I say, the good priests, and there are many, the majority, the vast majority are good priests who understand all this far better than I do. But the good priests are gonna agree with me on this because as priests, they, of all men on earth, they know very well that our adversary, the devil, walks among us as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I'm Michael Matt from Remnant TV. Thanks very much for listening. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.